This is the Lead King Podcast with Russ Ward. Tactics and strategies to grow your digital marketing business, get clients, and produce amazing results. Russ will teach you strategies that he used to build himself up from one of the lowest points of his life. Now, with a thriving, growing business that just had its first $30,000 month, he can teach you to go from zero to $10,000 a month and more. This is the Lead King Podcast, and this is Russ Ward. What is up, guys? This is the Lead King, Russ Ward, and this is the Lead King Podcast. Thank you once again for tuning in to the podcast. Today, I have a special guest that everybody listening is going to be very interested in hearing from. One of the most common struggles that we have in digital marketing is our copywriting. None of us know how to do it when we get into it. And I'll admit myself, I didn't even think it was that important when I got into it. I thought I could just throw up some pretty pictures, throw up some ads, and it would work. Well, what I realized very quickly is that people like my guest here will eat me for lunch if I do not do proper copywriting. So my guest today is Allison Lex. And Allison actually worked with Dan Kennedy, the legend, the myth, the man himself. And it's a very cool story of how she started working at his company. And I'd just like to introduce her and welcome you to the podcast, Allison. Thank you so much for having me. I'm going to apologize in advance for any sniffles or sneezes that come because it is cold and flu season and I am struck, but um, I'm super excited to be here and the DayQuil will not change the quality of content that I'm happy to give you guys. <laughs> That's awesome. I appreciate that, Allison. So, um, so you're a copywriter and, uh, that's all you do full time at this point is you're just, you're a copywriter straight out. I am I have actually been full-time copywriting since 2012. So, um, you know, there have been a couple stops and starts in my journey, but since 2012 full-time, no breaks in my full-time copywritingness. And, how did you get into copywriting? Where, where did this story to start? Where did it take yeah, place? Yeah, so you mentioned Dan Kennedy, um, and my story starts at Glazer Kennedy, really kind of before it. So I was in college, and I always wanted to be a teacher, and I was in college to be a teacher. Long story short, I took a class I shouldn't have. It was full of teachers. It was about three weeks into that class, I realized not one of these people was happy, even though they had been 10 plus years in this industry that I thought I was going to love. And that was my last semester as a teacher. So I decided to go get myself a big girl job so I could figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I took an admin assistant position at a marketing company that I'd never heard of in Towson, Maryland called Glazer Kennedy Insiders Circle. And um, that was my introduction to Dan Kennedy. And I fell in love with it. Um, About a year later, I was the marketing manager And about a year after that, I was running the marketing department as the director of marketing. So, um, you know, they definitely saw something in me and, and really encouraged me to take on more responsibility. I wrote my first sales letter in 2007 to promote the Info Summit. And um, that was with Bill Glazer's blessing and tutelage that sales letter uh, generated over $8,000 in less than three days to a list of fewer than 200 people. Wow. That's amazing. So where you are today wouldn't have even been 
imaginable if you hadn't just randomly applied for this job, right? Yeah, I had no idea. I mean, I'd never heard of Dan Kennedy when I started working at Glitter Kennedy. I had no idea this whole world existed. Um, I remember looking at the website for the company and I was like, this looks sketchy. You know, it was like a total old school website. I don't know if anybody saw the the Dan Kennedy website pre-2010 or whatever, but it was sketch city. It was just old school, plain, ugly. I thought it was super sketchy, but the people were awesome and I really wanted to work there. I remember literally jumping up and down when I got the call that I got the job. And um, I, I really literally fell into this whole world and I couldn't be happier. So what, what actually got you started in wanting to, to actually take on a marketing role at the company? How did you move up from an admin assistant and why did you start liking the copywriting specifically? You know, I, um, I don't know what made me start to like it. I think I've always liked advertising and marketing, you know, and, and to me, advertising was big, dumb marketing, right? The McDonald's ads and kind of understanding what they're doing and, and, oh yeah, that doesn't resonate with me because I'm not the right person for it. So I've always had that little bit of a brain. Um, I've also always been a writer. So actually in college, my, after I stopped my education major, I was a double major in English and psych and a minor in creative writing, which if you're going to go to school to write copy, I think those three tracks you're going to take. <laughs> um, and so the psychology has always interested me. Writing has always interested me. And it honestly, it just seemed like a lot of fun to be able to use words to get people to spend money. If I'm being blatant, like that's fun for me. <laughs> So your first experience when, when you wrote this copy that did the $8,000 in, in sales in a, in a couple of days, like how, how did that actually come about? Did you ask for advice or did you say, Hey, I think I can write something like this or how, I, how did you do it? I asked, I said, can I write a sales, a sales letter? Can I write something? Um, I'd like to actually, no, I think I might have even just written it and said, I'd like to use this. And, you know, Bill lovingly tore it apart and I made it better. And um, he lovingly tore it apart again until we made it better together. But um, yeah, no, I, I asked for it. I wanted it. And, and so that's that kind of, yeah. It kind of propelled you on to like, wow, this is what I'm going to do. Kind of something like that. Yeah. I mean, so I just, I'm good at it and I like it and it's fun and it's easy. And why would I not do that? You know, they say, do what you love, you'll never work. I mean, it's work. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's work to write copy. Whether or not you're a copywriter, it's always work. But if I can enjoy what I do and do something I'm good at, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way. Exactly. So now, now you're, are you a freelance copywriter? Do you have a company? What do you do now? So I have my company. Um, eventually... I'll grow it to be more of an agency type of thing where I have writers that work under me, but right now it's just me. So I guess I'm freelance, but I have a company. I don't really know the difference. I write for clients. <laughs> That's cool. And, and so how, you know, this, one of the big things we always ask on, on shows that people that do have companies and freelancers is how do you acquire clients? Like what's your best methods for doing that? So, you know, the number one method is always going to be referral. That's, you know, that's the easiest way to close a client. It's the easiest way to get a client. So I do have a referral program in place when people send me clients. Um, I happily send them PayPal in the middle of the night um, as a thank you. 
And beyond that, speaking will get me some really good clients, speaking either on a stage or on podcasts like this. I do get some really good clients. Networking is a good way to get clients. And then one of my goals for this year is to build out my more automated system of lead magnet to nurture to, you know, building up and, and getting clients from an email list of my own. So you don't really run any ads or anything like that? To I have run ads in the past and, you know, Facebook, I am very upfront with my lack of knowledge regarding Facebook ads. What I like to say is you bring me traffic, I'll convert it. So getting traffic is not my forte. <laughs> um, so I have run them in the past. They've been, you know, successful-ish. <laughs> right. But the really heavy on the ish. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm always learning when it comes to that as well. So typically my traffic methods are all organic. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people love to hear that because not a lot of people when they're first getting started have any money at all to run ads. They just need some clients. So that's, that's good to hear. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So another thing I wanted to ask you is, you know, I know when I started copywriting or, or learning about it, it, it was just this big, you know, unknown to me. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I read, I read a bunch of books. I, I read some websites and I was just like, how is this different for me? Just kind of telling the story as I already tell it. And I started learning about like reptilian type, you know, sales copy. What do you, what do you know about reptilian copy and, and what do you think of it? Um, well, I don't know a whole lot based on that word, but what that means, what that's saying to me and tell me if I'm wrong is, you know, you want to speak to the primal drives. Yes. The reptilian drives, right? So you, there are a few things that drive everyone and that's you know hunger sex that kind of stuff but really what i like to look at is um maslow's hierarchy of needs right right and so it's this triangle and you have your more basic needs at the bottom your more advanced needs at the top right uh, at the top would be like the sense of belonging sense of self all of that stuff and if you can solve these problems, right? If your audience already has their hunger, their sex, their shelter, their clothing, their basic necessities met, that's when they can begin to go up into the higher levels of, of that hierarchy. Um, Perry Belcher, I think it was, had a really good slide at maybe TNC. I don't know. There's so many events these days, but it was like the 21 things that make people buy. And it was like to be loved, to, to be a part of a group, to feel superior to their neighbors. And, but really what, what you've got to do when you're writing copy and, and telling your story is figure out the, I call it the why behind the why, behind the why, right? And you drill down. And I think that might be kind of into the reptilian thing that you're talking about is really drilling down further and further of why they want what you have. Right. They want more money. Well, why do they want more money? To live a better life. Why do they want to live a better life? Because their childhood sucked. Why do they, you know, like really why do the, behind the why, behind the why, behind the why? Yeah. And you know, this, that this was stuff a really can, long answer for, you can really go down <laughs> a long rabbit hole when you think about this stuff. Like how, how does a new person get started at this? Do you just, you just start, you have a need to, to write the copy for something and then you just start thinking deeply or, or what would you recommend to a person who's just getting started and they want to do better at their copy? 
Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing you've got to do is know your audience. And I know everybody says that and they talk about the ideal client avatar or the profile, whatever you want to call it. That is where to start. And it's the complete most unsexy part of copywriting is like this research stuff. But if you make it like a little bit of a game to figure out how much information you can get together, what I like to do is get is think about who my, my ideal client would be, right? What, how old they are, um, what gender they are, where they might live. And then I head to one of those stock photo sites or whatever, look for a picture that would represent that person to me and print it out and put it up somewhere. And this is my person. I give them a name, Steve. <laughs> That's great. Whatever. I love it. Right? So now I have a visual representation of my person. And everything I do now is, is this going to make Steve like me more? Is this going to make Steve want to buy from me? Is this going to make Steve react? Or whatever your person's name is. But think about who your audience is and then just start stalking them online. Join the groups on Facebook that they're in. Follow the Instagram accounts they follow. Read the articles they read. And read the comment sections. Usually comment sections are a cesspool um, <laughs> on the internet. And you know that's true, right? But Absolutely, yes. <laughs> <laughs> they're a cesspool. They're terrible. But if you want to get in the mind of your ideal audience, you have to read the comment section. It's going to give you insight onto what they complain about the most. And it's going to give you the language that they're using to do it. The, wor the actual words they use are really important because now you can put that back in. Once you know that, then it's just a matter of presenting your offer in a way that shows them you solve the problem that they have the most. So it's not really rocket science. It's basically moving through a process. It's just like everything else we do in marketing, it's, it's a process. And if you do it properly, you can get good at it, right? Absolutely. I mean, of course, there's a little bit of an art to it. You know, when I write for a client, I put my empathy hat on and I'm able to connect emotionally because I have the ability to put myself in someone else's shoes and understand the life they might be living and things like that. But that is also something that can come with practice. And if you're writing copy for your own business, you don't need to be the chameleon that I do you can put an empathy hat on for one market because that's the only one you're writing to instead of like me where I'm writing to 15, 20 different markets all the right. time. Um, another trick I like to use is when you're identifying your audience and this, I use this for my clients a lot is I try to find someone that I know personally that at least somewhat fits that mold. Right? So um, let's say my client is selling marketing services to the local service businesses, right? The HVACs of the world. So I think about my HVAC guy, Mike, who's doing a lot right, but can still do a lot better. And I know Mike really well because my air conditioner is old. And so I'm able to then visualize HVAC guy, Mike, when I'm writing copy to talk to other HVAC guys out there. Right. And so if you can root yourself in someone that you know, at least to start, it kind of gives you that, again, that visualization. It's just another way to see that person in front of your face. Yeah, I love it. I love the advice of printing out your, your avatar and, and yeah. you know, 
talking, just talking about people that you know, you know, that's really good stuff. One thing I specifically wanted to ask you, because I've wondered this myself, and I bet a lot of other people do too, is I've run ads personally, and I see a lot of other marketers running ads. And, and even for some of my clients ads, we run an ad and then we get tons of negative comments sometimes, scam mm -hmm. or whatever. Is, is that a good thing because they're interacting or does that mean our copy sucked because, you know, they're saying bad things to us? How, how do you take that when you see that? Um, well, so there is going to be skepticism in the world today. So I remember like the very first ad I ever ran, which was in like 2013, back before ads were like super huge. And, um, somebody made a comment about my hair. Right. And so here I am putting myself out there for the first time, not, not the most secure person in the world to begin with. And you want to make a mean comment about my hair. It just totally shattered me. Right. Right. But that's what people do. Again, it's a comment section. It's a cesspool. So take it with a grain of salt. First of all, um, your targeting may not be totally on. So targeting is a huge part of the ads. If you're getting a lot of the, why am I seeing this? Get off my wall you might be kind of in the wrong target area, but it's not a bad thing to have interaction. And every comment is an opportunity to change the conversation, right? So this is more community building and brand building than my total expertise. But, you know, somebody says scam. You can say, hey, Joe Schmo, I'm really sorry that you think I'm a, this is a scam, but it's not actually, here's what I'm giving or here's what I've got to offer. So you have that opportunity to change the conversation and interact. And even if Joe Schmo doesn't respond back, somebody else who might be thinking this is a scam will see that. And it just kind of overcomes that objection. And your own comment sections are also a really great place to find objections, the common objections that people have to your, to your whatever, right? So if 95 out of 100 of the people think that you're a scam, well, then you're not doing a good job of, of that. And I, I hate this cliche, but the no like and trust factor. Right. Um, everybody says that, but you're not doing a really good job of, sh of showing your credibility if everybody thinks you're scamming. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Well, one thing in particular I'm talking about is every time I run ads for clients that are solar clients, mm -hmm. like, Literally, the first, 10, the first 10 comments are always scam, 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 rip off, rip off, rip off. And it's not. I've sold solar myself, so I, right. I know how it works. And my clients start to freak out. And I tell them, look, you can either do one of two things. We can hide every single comment or you can reply to them and let, you, let them know right. it's not a scam or send them to a video that proves it's not a scam. You know, what, whatever you want to do. But they freak out, man. Like I'm talking about, oh, my God, my business is going to go out of business. And, and I tell them it's not that bad of a thing. Like it really isn't because it means they're looking, they're interacting, they actually read your copy. Right. So that, that means they read your stuff, right? That's a good thing that they're interacting. Mm -hmm. yep. Well, and too, it may be an opportunity to take a look at the copy and say, is there anything that I'm putting in here that might feel unbelievable, even if it's true? That's a good point because in, in some of these ads that we run, we do offer considerable advantages to doing it. Some of them we offer a free vacation, which we give them. Some of them we even offer a thousand dollar cash. But I could see how somebody is like, yeah, right. You're not going to give me that cash. You know? Exactly. And so, you know, how can you make it feel more believable instead of saying we offer you a thousand dollars cash, maybe you go to last month's cash winner and say, Hey, can I use your name and picture? Oh, that's great. 
I love it. Right? So yeah. now it would be Sally Smith got her $1,000 cash last month. Are you going to be this month's winner? And maybe even print out a giant check and have Sally Smith hold the check. And, exactly. Uh, yeah, that would be a great so, ad. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and, and it's um, what Agora actually uses a and I just learned about this. They use uh, the cub method, which is confusing, unbelievable, or boring when they review their copy. And I know this because one of my clients used the method with me. Um, and it works really well. Like, is anything confusing? Is anything unbelievable? Or is anything boring? So if you check those three things, the unbelievable part may be where they're, they're saying scam. Wow. Okay. That's great stuff. Thank you so much for sharing with us with Good that. So one of the things that inquiring minds want to know all over the groups that I'm part of is you've been part of Dan Kennedy's company and we all saw the, the farewell message that he left and Frank Kern and everybody was really sad. Is Dan Kennedy alive or what's going on with Dan? Cause we haven't heard much. He hasn't passed away. What's going on? So Dan Kennedy is alive. Dan Kennedy is um, still working on healing and um, has really taken what many perceive to be an unbelievable journey um, into the depths. So last year at some point, um, I forget the exact date, it's just all melded together in my head. Um, Dan released a statement through uh, Glazer Kennedy, or not Glazer anymore, but his company with Adam Whitty basically saying like, hey, this is it folks, I'm out, um, which is pretty much a I mean, it's a pretty badass move to write your own, like, impending death notice. Um, and he was basically paying for a lifetime of not taking care of himself. Um, had some, some major health issues and things like that, that that came to a head. But he's actually been able to pull through that, has had some setbacks, and is now dealing with um, with some other physical issues that that are holding him back a little bit from being the Dan Kennedy we have all known. Um, and uh, I do not get direct updates, but I follow and I'm close with other of his best friends who do get direct updates. And so what you're hearing from me is able to be found through people like Lee Miltier, who is one of Dan's very good friends. She does post updates on her Facebook posts. And then there's also the unofficial Dan Kennedy group on Facebook where Lee will post as well. So um, he's alive. And it's good to hear. Well. <laughs> Cause a, a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people had no idea what was going on with him. So I'm glad to hear he's alive. Not necessarily well, well and, but he's getting you know, better. I mean, said. there have been the questions. Um, yes. And there have been the questions of, is this a stunt? You know, we'll just put it out there and say it. Um, it's not, that is not the Dan Kennedy I know to do something like that. He has always pushed the envelope, but that would go beyond pushing an envelope. That would be tearing the envelope up and throwing it into everybody's faces. And that's not who Dan is. So I do not believe it's a stunt. I believe that it's, you know, definitely been a real struggle for him. And um, I am obviously very thankful for, for everything that he's built because it's one, it's directly attributed to my success, but also I can see the impact that it's had on the world. 
Wow. Okay. Well, hey, thanks so much for that update. Really yeah. appreciate that. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and I'm glad you brought up that it's not a scam because I had heard people saying that and a lot of people oh, yeah. fight, fight over that in groups. Don't ever say that. That's so disrespectful. And, and you know, it is somewhat disrespectful, but I mean, it is, he's a marketer. I mean, <laughs> like would well, a marketer I mean, do that? Maybe. <laughs> some would, some absolutely would. And if you consider the fact that in the marketing world, we've all been burned by scams. We see so many scam artists all the time. Of course we're cynical. Yeah, absolutely. So one, one of the things about the Lee King podcast is everybody knows my backstory that's listened to it. Now I, I went through a really, really rough time before I started this business. Um, you know, everybody knows the story. Have you had any adversities that you've come through to get to where you are today? And if so, could you share them with us? Yeah. So, um, you know, my story is not adversity filled quite like yours, but, um, you know, there was a time, so I did the freelance thing before 2012 in 2010 and, um, I ran out of money in 2010. Um, I wasn't really, I think emotionally ready to work for myself and have my own gig. So, you know, I ran out of money, had to borrow rent from my mom kind of thing. That sucks. Um, I got a, ended up taking a job at a, a, a software company in the sales department. I was the, the sales operations manager or whatever. I was basically the mother hen of these frat boy sales guys. And, um, I left there, went to another company where I was a project manager. They laid me off after a month, which was a week before my wedding. Um, <laughs> that's not stressful. And so I looked at my then fiance, now husband, I said, you're marrying an entrepreneur because I'm not going through this again. Um, and so we got married in 2012. I started my business in 2012. Um, and, and he married you, that. he married you anyway, right? He did. And actually, uh, for our first anniversary, he got me a sign that said you had me at health insurance. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. So, um, <laughs> That's he, awesome. works, he works for the government. So I have wonderful government health insurance. Thank you, husband. Um, but I mean, really it's, it's been a lot of the same stuff that I think a lot of other marketers and business owners and entrepreneurs face that imposter syndrome feeling like who the hell am I to be talking about this? Um, especially when I come from the world of big names, right? Like, I'm no Dan Kennedy. Who the hell am I? Right? right. Um, that's always a big one. There's always, there's also the feast and famine, right? When you have a business that is gig based, you're going to have the ups and downs, which I've been dealing with for eight years now. <laughs> um, I'll have a really awesome year and then a not so awesome year. And and trying to figure out the systems and the, you know, the, the usual struggles that I feel like everybody goes through, but not a lot of people talk about, right? The stress of worrying about money and the, the dealing with, am I contributing enough in my partnership? And then of course, when my kid was born, I'm checked out of the business for a while and it's slowing down and I've got to hustle all the time. And all of those things, I feel like we don't chalk up as adversity because everybody experiences them, but they still take a toll on us. Um, and then, you know, in my own personal world, there's the mental health depression and all of that stuff. So if that kicks off, you know, last year, it's going to sound so silly, but one of my cats got out. So I'm a crazy cat lady. I have eight cats. 
Um, I love them. They're my, you know, eight additional children. So I have nine kids. Um, <laughs> Wait, eight cats? Is that what you said? I do. I have eight cats. Yes. And, and you're actually married. So that, that doesn't make sense. I, I got married before. I had one cat when I got married. <laughs> wow. And you, you actually somehow finagled seven more cats into this marriage, this family? He, inter- he wanted a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. <laughs> my husband's awesome. Um, but so one of my cats got out and he was gone for 43 days. And it sounds like a little thing. It was hard for me. Obviously, I was very upset. But what it did was kick off a depression about a six-week bout of a depressive episode that I think was about a year in the making. You know what I mean? So even though I'm medicated for my depression and things like that, but that's a, it's a real thing. And for those six weeks, I was like no good in my business. And then I've got to dig myself out of that because for six weeks I wasn't hustling. And so, but that's like normal life for an entrepreneur. Absolutely. And I don't think we'd think of it as adversity. We think of your story is like mega adversity. And that's what we think of as regular adversity. And I think maybe even looking at the definition of what we call adversity is really important. It's just anything that brings you down. No, I'm really glad you brought that up because, you know, a lot of times people hear my story and they're like, oh, you overcome so much, but I still go through the same things as you. you Absolutely. I have, I have a good month. I have a bad month. One, one month this past summer, I woke up on the, the end of the month, all the, all the end of the month bills came out. My bank account wasn't looking as nice as it usually did. And I had no appointments scheduled. And I started to freak out thinking, am I going out of business this month? Right. Right. And I had already built, I had built up a nice brand, a nice following, and I have all these skills. And yet I'm sitting here freaking out on, I, I believe it was August 1st. I'm thinking, I think I'm going to go out of business. I better start looking for a job. And, and that I happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I want everybody that's listening to know that even if you do see our highlight reels on Facebook and all we post, everybody posts their highlight reels. Very rarely do you get any honesty. Hey man, I failed today. Right. Um, we all go through it. I, I'm the lead king. You're the copywriting queen, however you want to brand yourself. <laughs> but I mean, look, you, you hear it. Like you're talking about depression and medication. And I'm glad we're having this conversation because it's such, it used to be so taboo. I remember when I was in the military, um, I had a whole bunch of stuff going on. I, I actually worked a mission where I had to listen to phone calls coming back from the battlefields of Iraq to the people's families. And I had to hear doctors telling them, hey, your son or daughter was killed. He lost their legs. And it, what happened was it desensitized me. Like you could have literally stabbed somebody in front of me and I would have just sat there because, and, and we had to literally go through therapy to gain our sensitivity. Unfortunately, I was able to, but I also had a lot of problems from my childhood and stuff. And I, before I made my quote unquote big comeback, there's a backstory of the comeback, obviously. I was in therapy for three years with, and I had to find just the right therapist that I could trust. I could share my inner feelings with, and that's when I started to make progress. So, you know, and I know there's a lot of people out there with tough stories. And, and if, if you're embarrassed about mental health and if you're embarrassed about talking to somebody, don't be, man. I mean, that's what literally stopped me from killing myself. The, the fact that people gave a shit enough about me to say, hey, I, I care about you and, I, and I'm not going to make fun of you. I'm not going to make fun of you for asking for help. I want you to ask for help if you need it. You know, don't you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think mental health is is really the stigma, like you said, has been reduced, but it's still there. I mean, we, we all have the unspoken peer pressure to showcase our best selves. And I love that you mentioned highlight reel. Cause I always say, don't measure your, 
Um, don't look at just someone else's highlight reel while you're checking out your bloopers, right? right? Because that's what you do. You think, oh, this person's doing so good and I'm X, Y, Z crapping on the bed here. But that's two different stories. And I think the comparisonitis can really hurt you and just not taking care of your own mental health and, and grinding and hustling and doing all of this without taking just a few moments. Um, you know, therapy for me was that one hour a week I spent on myself rather than my business, my family, my kid, my cats, you know, they take up a lot of time and (laughs) (laughs) there's so many of them, but at least just have, and whether you can do traditional in office or they have, um, telehealth, I actually have a client that does telehealth, um, just to have that time that you can spend on you, I think is important. And I don't think it's any coincidence that um, the I started therapy in October of 2018. And starting in December of 2018, I had my biggest year in business. Wow. So you were working on yourself in, in, a, in a mental type of way, and it really impacted your business as well. Unbelievably so. Wow. That's yeah. really good. Yeah. Cause I was reading the, the bio you sent over, you said you like gardening and, and things like that. So it must help you just oh, yeah. zone out a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So great, man. This is, this has been probably one of my favorite interviews. I really appreciate Hi. you all you shared with us. Um, I appreciate you getting personal and telling us about Dan yes. and um, yeah. So thank you so much for, for coming to the show. The last thing I just want to ask you is um, if anybody wants to find out more about you or if they want to schedule a call with you to, to get a consultation, how can they find you? Yeah. So, um, my life online is at alisonlex.com and that's A-L-Y-S-O-N-L-E-X. Thank my mom for me having to spell that for 35 years. Um, (laughs) A-L-Y-S-O-N. And I actually, um, just put together a new guide called the sales page that writes itself. Um, and it's a good way for people who are overwhelmed or busy to actually start writing the copy to kind of go back to what we were talking about. Um, at least get something out on the page without having to, you know, spend months or years learning how to be a copywriter. Awesome. And, and are you taking new clients if somebody would like to hire you? I am. I am taking new clients. Um, you can feel free to check out my website, schedule a call. We'll talk about your needs and see if I'm a fit. Awesome. Yeah. I'll put that in the podcast notes. So if yeah. anybody wants to get with, get with Allison, that's definitely it. So again, thank you so much, Allison, for joining the Lee King podcast. Uh, I loved having you on the show and I hopefully we'll have you back in the future. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. You've been listening to the Lead King podcast with Russ Ward. Russ Ward has been through everything. Losing houses, money, a wife, sued by the NFL, tax liens, and through it all has risen from the ashes. Yes, the Lead King podcast covers tactics and strategies to grow your digital marketing business, acquire clients, and of course, get results. But more than that, we talk about the mindset that's required to endure the frustrations, the failures, and the setbacks of growing a marketing agency. You can reach out to Russ by phone at 813-278-7040. Email Russ at russward at theleadking.com. On Facebook at The Lead King. And on Instagram at Lead King Digital Marketing. And the website is theleadking.com. If you want to grow your digital marketing business from nothing to 10K a month and beyond, and if you want to learn how some of the best in the business did it, you're in the right place.
Till next time, this is the Lead King Podcast. Signing off.